Gosh, this is so awesome, man. I never in a million years thought something like this would happen. Out of turn number four come the most powerful weight models on the planet, the world of outlaws. I call Scott my dad, and uh, <laughs> nothing like the best in the business, breathing down your throat your first outlaw in. Ah, yes. Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Stick Signals. Um, wow. Uh, little short weekend with the Dirt Car Summer Nationals at Highland and Peevely, but things are really picking up. Uh, obviously, the Dirt Car Summer Nationals ready to wrap things up up in Michigan, and obviously, the World of Outlaws Morton Building's Late Model Series are back. So a busy weekend coming up after a very uh, kind of easy weekend this past weekend. Nonetheless, thank you, everybody, for stopping on in. Mike, Mick, Mick, I'll start with you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, man. I'm looking outside at a pretty gnarly looking sky. We're actually under a tornado watch. So if I uh, disappear, I will I'll be in the Wizard of Oz. What's it? The Land of Oz? <laughs> yes, yeah. Just follow the yellow brick road. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mike Warren, how are you? Doing good. Uh, took the took my weekend off with the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Miles and went to Boston for the weekend. Enjoyed a little fun at Fenway Park. And I can tell you, as you saw, Sweet Caroline's a lot of fun to do. <laughs> oh, oh yeah that's one thing i do love like about like ballparks and mlp games is the environment i just love it um yeah that's good glad you guys have a good good weekend uh you outlaws just take a bunch of off weekends the summer national guys grounding out here grinding out here <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> you ran twice in the last month i don't even want to hear it <laughs> some of us also had this other event going on some some racetrack out in knoxville iowa so i mean we ain't all been sleeping Oh yeah, I kind of heard those things called sprint cars. I think some something yeah, big those, happened in Knoxville. Weird I guess. Things oh, wings some guy that won one of our races earlier this year won one won that race too. Yeah, <sighs> I heard a late model guy won that. <laughs> okay, we need to move on before we get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, we should probably move on before we get in trouble. Welcome to Stick Signals, everyone. Which, by the way, we did not touch on this last week, guys. Um, Stick Signals um, obviously were not allowed at out of gaming. They weren't allowed at the USA Nationals, and they're not going to be allowed this weekend. And there's talk about them probably not coming out for the rest of the season uh so i i talked with eric grigsby and uh he talked to casey schumann and obviously stick signal is going to be uh not seen this weekend uh at this upcoming swing so people have been messaging me and asking me hey uh what's the name gonna switch to the podcast well guess what we don't have an answer to that just quite yet. Well, <laughs> so, the, an- the answer is, I'll tell you, as, as the producer, I'll tell you the answer. The name's not going to change because it's in the show slug and everything else. I mean, it would have to be a whole different show. We're going to give, even if it's just for a throwback or nostalgia, it's going to be stick signals for the foreseeable future. Oh, there you go. So we do have an answer. There you go. So Mick, uh, yeah, I'm glad we're keeping it. Obviously, stick signals, uh, the name came up. We just wanted to, like open red, that's, that's kind of a sprint car thing. They uh, obviously have yep. open reds under reds. We don't have open reds. And we said, let's be different, like fender benders and bent, like the whole fender thing came up and all that stuff, but it just kind of didn't click. And uh, we decided on stick signals and we thought stick signals were cool, cool. And well, hey, stick signals are in the late model world and the dirt car UMP modified world. So we decided to stick with that and we're going to stick with stick signals. So anyway, welcome to stick signals once again. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> this is the official podcast of the world of outlaws of Morton Buildings, late model series and dirt car racing. Uh, I have a question. Are, are you guys discontinuing them on the hell tour or are you still going to have them? So on the Dirt Car Summer Nationals, they're still using them. Uh, stick signals have been used out here, and uh, stick signal lives matter on the Dirt Car Summer Nationals world, I guess. <laughs> I'm not even going to – okay, I'm not touching that. But, no, hey, as far as I'm concerned, as long as they're still used <laughs> under the Dirt Car banner. Yeah, there game. you go, the official podcast of Dirt Car as well. We're Speaking good. of the uh, 
Speaking of the Dirt Car Summer Nationals, Ruben, you guys back in action this weekend with a couple of win- races out in Highland and I-55. And we'll start off with Highland where, uh, well, I'm going to say this. We took one from you on Friday night. Uh, yeah, Friday night was definitely a good one. Uh, how about, yeah, you did. The Outlaws won it. Brandon Shepard came back in the B5 and uh, got the job done. And that, that was really a good race between him and Bobby Pierce. Pierce had a really good run. And I, I know for those of you watching on Dirt Vision, you probably heard the crowd in the background, but there was no reaction. I mean, I've never seen when Pierce got passed. He uh, the way caution came out and Shepard unfortunately had to go back to second. So Pierce had the lead and fans were booing. But then the green came out and Shepard ended up taking the green and people went nuts. Like you, could, there was people in the infield that I talked to, and it's a little one fifth mile with twenty two cars in the track. They heard the crowd over the rumble of of the late models when Shepard passed Pierce. Like <laughs> Pierce is either loved or hated at Highland. And man, it was a really good race. Shepard got it done. And I got to give um, hats off to the crew at Highland because. Man, it rained all night into the morning hours. And when we got there, it was around 1 p.m. That track was nowhere close to being ready. Like, it was absolutely in terrible condition. And by the time it came down to hot laps, it was smooth from top to bottom. Now, it did get rough a little bit just because it was soft, but it was still an entertaining race and a pretty good racetrack considering the circumstances. I I thought it was a really good race. And then um, two, two observations. One, I think it's really cool how... Bobby Pierce and Brandon Shepard will race each other on the track, but they seem to have this like mutual respect for each other. Once they get out of the car, we saw it at the PDC in 2019. You saw it the other night, like they just race each other really clean, really aggressively. But then also how about Ashton Winger? Where did he start? Like 21st and ended up fifth. I know he buried himself in qualifying. Yeah. Winger definitely was one of the uh, big movers in that one. And I'll try to get that from you here for you here, Mick. I thought I had it here. I think I think he started 21st. I actually reached out to him and, and was hoping to get a T-shirt. I mean, <laughs> his, his website sold out. So if, if you're listening to this, Ashton, I'd really like a 2X. Don't don't care which design. It was 15th to 5th for Ashton Winger. Um, yeah, 15th. He was our hard charger that night. Uh, Jason Figures our hard charger at I-55, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. But yeah, pretty good run for Winger considering he – I mean, the, the crazy thing, qualifying was absolutely insane because they all qualified – um, there were long qualifying groups. I think there was, tw- uh, I don't remember how many cars there were in that group, but it was a long, long qualifying group and the track slowed down a ton. And for Ashton to go out there and rebound like that was pretty, pretty impressive in the number 12 car. It was. And, you know, that just, again, you know, the last month, Winger's been heating up. We talk about the win at Cedar Lake. We talked about last week, you know, a good run in the USA Nationals. Bounces back with that run as well. And I'll tell you what, he's starting to really hit a stride here in the month of August. And no reason that it can't continue when we hit the Michigan week. But let's move on to I-55 now, Ruben. And we talk about guys rebounding. Um, unforeseen circumstances had some guys rebounding earlier in the night. I, I do want to touch on one thing back at Highland. Mike Harrison, obviously, with the Dirt Car Summit Racing Equipment Modified Nationals. Uh, I, I mean, I have to talk about him. He, he's he's the hometown hero. He's won seven of the of the nine visits already. Like, this guy is absolutely insane uh, at his home track. And it was pretty good to see Mike Harrison back in victory lane. Obviously, Nick Hoffman uh, outdoing Scott Bloomquist team stuff. But nonetheless, yes, an I-55, it, it, that was a good one. And I, I personally love I-55. Shepard had won the previous three visits and let's rewind a little bit back in 18 and uh, that was the world of outlaws versus summer nationals event this used to be world of outlaws versus summer nationals and that was fun shepherd got it done in the house in the rocket house car now he goes back out there and go- does it in the family b5 and obviously drama brewing between the 10 and darren klein klein was one of those guys that 
you know, was expected to really shine this weekend and possibly get that first win. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. He, uh, on a restart, went up in the wall in one and two. Uh, Shepard uh, battled with Pierce, and uh, that, that was a good win. And Bobby Pierce would end Shepard's streak. Pretty good win for Pierce. Indeed. And, you know, I tell you what, Pierce, a good, a good run again. And he's proving, I mean, at this point, I don't want to say he's clinched it officially, but it's all but Bobby Pierce's title at this point heading into Michigan week and you know, Michigan week, I'm saying Michigan week, like it's that the hot dogs with chili on top of it in the Northeast. That's not the case, but the last week of the season in Michigan, there we go, but it'll be a fun run. And you know, I, it goes, it goes off to Pierce's a testament to him so far this season. He's been on fire lately. Tanner English had a pretty good run there too at, at I-55, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Tanner English did have a pretty good run. Um, Let's let's uh, not forget to mention it was a crazy day for Ashton. I mean, uh, for Tanner as well. Um, his dad got introduced to the Hall of Fame. Um, he also just had a baby. His daughter, obviously, he became a dad. So new crew chief on that team. It, it was it, it really was a good run for Tanner. And Tanner needed a good run. Um, Tanner obviously finished seventh that night, uh, considering all the challenges he faced. But yeah, Tanner obviously had a good run, and he really needs some good runs, guys. Obviously, the point lead now, 191 points heading into this final week yeah, for the Summer Nationals. It is going to be tough, but I mean, I guess it, never say it, never. To add to that crazy day, you had a bunch of haulers have a power line drop down on top. Was that, wasn't that appealing? <laughs> yes, so that's the challenges I'm talking about. So uh, a fan came up to me and said, hey, um, drivers – obviously can't come up with their own nickname because they jinx themselves and it's apparently bad luck if a driver makes up their own nickname and this fan came up to me and they said uh um how about you call him the Kentucky Live Wire? And I'm like, what? So, so I called him that that night. I got to talk to uh, Tanner see if he likes that. But yeah, uh, before the race, we had to delay an hour because literally a power line uh, went down in the pit area and landed on Shepard's car, his trailer, and landed on Tanner English's left front. And it blew the the battery chargers on the b5 team and the 81 team and they came up to us and said while they were waiting for the electric company to show up that it might have fried their msd box and they only had one car they they sold their backup car they only had one car with them and bought a new car that's back at home so it was at a point where they weren't going to race that night and brandon i heard rumor that their generator went out too it was it was kind of a bad deal but nonetheless everyone was okay and they were able to run that night that's pretty crazy do we know what happened did, did the trailer just hook it or just come down from wind or what so the rumor was that um one of the teams knocked it down with their hauler but we we don't know that officially yet we never really i never right. really asked towards the end but i heard yes a hauler hit it with their lift gate oh. i think oh yeah so the, the poles that come up around the on the side yeah i tell you what if i was the one to knock it down i wouldn't have seen shit either <laughs> it was it was definitely wild like um brock uh tanner's crew guy comes up to us at the dirt car trailer there's like hey can i borrow a phone charger like we can't even touch our stuff right now because there's a literally you know <laughs> power line on our trailer like if they touched anything they're gonna electrocute it so uh they came up and yeah we lent them a phone charger but yeah it was just a crazy way to start our i-55 it, it was just weird because like it's just one of those nights where i think it was 840 or i think it was nine no i think it was 40 and we're you know green barely green in the first heat race and it was just uh it was just one of those nights but still the racing was great and that's what made that night great pierce got the win over shepherd winger third bab fourth gordy gundaker talk about a guy that needed a good run gordy has really been behind the eight ball this year Sw switching back to his black diamond midseason getting fifth and jason fager Another guy that has a lot of momentum won the PDC shootout, got in the show, then was the hard charger at the USA Nationals. And 
just kept he gets an 11th out of game he like he, he's getting roll he's rolling here and jason fager up nine spots to finish sixth sixth good for him he has been on a tear lately as well and you know hustle on the high side but no question about it but i'll tell you what he, he's been impressive and you know the way that race was going to usa nationals a few more cautions fell his way you might have been finishing a few more spots ahead <laughs> yeah. of where he was yeah, the high side hustler was definitely back. And guys, how about this? Switching gears to the modifieds, Brandon yes. Bollinger. Yes. I, I love first-time winners. How about Brandon Bollinger following the, the tire tracks of his dad? His dad, third on the all-time win list with 13 wins. Uh, and Brandon Bollinger switching to the Pierce Platinum this year in that 242 machine. Goes out there. Will Krupp, remember, went in there with a track record at a 13.967. And came out and two, uh, let's see, yeah, it was two drivers that beat his track record, a 13-9 by Hunt Gossam. And then Tyler Nicely with a 13-816. Last car to cross a checkered flag and qualifying Will Krupp breaks it and keeps the track record now at a 13-646. Krupp debuted this brand new Longhorn by Lowenbro a couple, uh, I think it was a month ago, it was right before Terre Haute and one at Peebley. So he's one for one at that with that car at that track. And Will Krupp looked like he had it. Man, on a restart, Brandon Bollinger just came out of nowhere with a big run and slide jobbed him in three and four for the win. It was a really, really good race. For those of you that haven't watched it, head on over to YouTube, dis, uh, subscribe to Dirt Car Racing on YouTube, and you can watch the replay. But Brandon Bollinger, uh, phenomenal win. And uh, Jordan Delucia said it in our Summit Racing Equipment wrap-up show. He showed a big, big slice of... Uh, humbleness in his interview because he wasn't super rowdy or excited you know he was just very like I, I don't know if he was shook that he won but he showed very uh true humbleness there well coming up this weekend boys i will make the argument that this is our most grueling weekend of the season four races four tracks three states and i can tell you we go from the western uh, the southern tier all right whatever part of new york you want to call it because we're close to the city we're close to the southern tier it's kind of weird from eastern pennsylvania all the way to sharon and then back to Erie. So there's a lot of travel this re- weekend. Ruben, I know it's not the same. I don't want to hear it. I was going to say, but, that's cute coming from the Dirt Car Summer <laughs> National side, but it's okay. It's okay. I, I, but I mean, but I will give you credit. The Outlaws, if you really look at the schedule, there hasn't been very many nights where you travel overnight this year. There really hasn't. Like we go back to Duck River, that one got rained out. And then you look at other ones, like you guys really haven't traveled overnight. And this is a grueling one to really get the ball rolling on traveling overnight. Yes. Yes, it is. It uh, And actually, it'll be one of the. I believe one of the last three times we'll have to do it all season because next week we're at Davenport and it's same track for three days, but then it's Cherokee, Lavonia and volunteer back to back, which none of them are really that close to each other either. I mean, they're close, but, but either way, going back to this weekend, four races, starting with the orange County fair speedway, a return for the first time since 2004. Now I got the chance to go there with the super dirt car series last Thursday, and, well, Stuart Friesen picked up the win. I've seen him, in a, and, and he also shook down the late model a little bit, which was pretty cool to see it go around a racetrack. Yeah, I saw that. It's a good-looking car, man. It is. It is sleek, definitely. But Stuart Friesen won that race last week. Max McLaughlin, who we'll hear from a little bit later, also finished fifth in that event. So these guys know what they're doing to get around this track. So it'll be interesting to see how that experience matches with the guys have been coming in. However, I will say, Boom and Scrub did race in that 2004 race. Scrub was the winner. Now you can you can't take too much from that because mm-hmm. the track surface is a lot different than it was back then. They call used to call it the hard clay for a reason. It would be so abrasive on tires, and you would go home at the end of the night. There's a difference between like dirt dust and like tire dust. 
it was tire dust when we used to get home from this. It's not like that anymore. Then we'll move a little bit further west to the Williams Grove Speedway in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, where Brandon Shepard picked up the win the last time we were there. I'm just looking forward to get the four wide video over the bridge. That's something I've been looking forward to ever since I signed on to this because it's going to be a really cool shot down the back straight away. Williams Grove is a special racetrack. I mean, in all the genres of, of dirt racing, it's a it's a beautiful facility. And, yeah, that iconic bridge and the uh, view of it in the background or standing on top of it watching the four-way go by is really special. Yeah, Williams Grove, I'm really jealous, uh, obviously, that I'm missing this one because Williams Grove is one of the tracks that, is on my bucket list and I've always wanted to go for a long, long time. And, and it always does produce pretty good racing. Like I I've said it plenty of times. I'm not a big fan of big race tracks, but, um, this one race is good and it, it's going to be very good. Obviously I, I think it has tricky corners and it's going to be good. Shepard obviously has won the last two, but I'm going to say one of our rookies wins it. I know we're going to do picks in a little bit, but I I'll, I'll go on, on that topic a little later. On Saturday night, we moved to, because Brush Creek got rained out earlier this year, it's actually our first and only trip to the Buckeye State. Remember, Eldora doesn't count for our purposes. So the Buckeye State is we go to Sharon, Sharon in Hartford, Ohio, and I'll tell you what, that's one I'm looking forward to. It already had some magic when the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars were there last this year when the owner, Dave Blaney, picked up the victory. So I would love this. We'd love to see some magic again there, but again, it's another track where guess who has a win there? And it probably shouldn't surprise anybody at this point, Brandon Shepard. Yeah, obviously Shepard won there back in 2019. Uh, he He's going to be the guy to watch, obviously, there. And this is the chance for Shepard to get that ball rolling again. Lanigan's won there before. Tim Fuller's won there before. I, I wonder if we'll see Tim Fuller back. Uh, Donnie Moran, yeah, you're not going to see a lot, a lot of those guys. Chubb Frank, I mean, how cool would it be to see Chubb Frank win again? Rick Eckert won there uh, as well. Tim McCready, I mean, it's, it's going to be one of those tracks. I feel like it's going to be an oddball one. I feel like uh, we're going to see a guy that we're not normally, uh, that we're thinking is going to win that race. I feel like that's going to be kind of an oddball one maybe chris madden wins that night i feel that maybe oh we'll get to picks with that a little later we finish up on sunday night at the erie speedway in erie pennsylvania to finish out the weekend that is where the one-man band dennis herb jr kind of stole one from boom last year in the late stages and picked up picked up the victory and you know there's that's going to be an interesting race because i think we're going to get a lot of guys that run state line for that also and when we went to state line we got beat by one of the regulars when Dave Hess picked up his second career win. So there's no reason to think that one of the regional guys could take home that one. Well, there's been four different winners the past four times. The outlaws have been there. Um, I, you know, I'd like to say Dennis Herb Jr. wins again just because he's having that solid season. Uh, but now nah, I don't think we'll see uh, a, a repeat winner again. I There's four different winners the past four years. I say we see a, a fifth different winner in fifth years. So it may be a repeat winner from um, – previous time but nah, i don't think so Erie's is going to be good that's always a track that i have circled on my list and obviously uh we've talked about this in the beginning of the season on stick signals uh i called it boom gets his first win i maybe just maybe Erie's this year well i i will be the first to tell you i'm not going to pick boom because the last time i picked boom i lost that by turn one because <laughs> i remember so so long story short before cedar lake the first feature on friday well the only feature on friday really when you boil it down I'm like boom's gonna lead all 30 laps and win this yeah boy well, i missed on that one. Yeah, it happens <laughs> i don't think i've made a pick right all yeah year. i mean but considering yeah it was a challenge though you gotta remember like it was basically a whole 24 hours later you know yeah. what i mean uh they get to run heat races and boom was running good on that track and then the track is completely washed out and they have to work on it and then go again the next day that, that was kind of tough and uh, i just 
Yeah, it's the way you approach this, approach this situation. I know it was tough for Boom. Ruben, when do you join back up with the, with the Outlaws? Do you join us again at Davenport? Yep, so the Quad Cities 150 presented by Hooker Trucking is my return with the Outlaws, and I'll be with you guys for the rest of the season, which I'm super excited for. I, I cannot wait to get back. Like, I, I, I love the Summer Nationals and everything, but, man, it's just I am so ready to be back with the most powerful late models on the planet. I got to say that during the race set up, the big block race at uh, Orange County, too, and it was a lot of fun pumping up the – pumping up i'm like the most power and, and i like i like raspied my voice like rick kind of does so it made it pretty cool just to be able to do it that once. is pretty cool how oh, was yeah. that peer reporting did you have a good time i had a good time you know it, it's always fun because I'm, I'm as we've said many times i'm a big block guy at the end of the day which is pretty fitting for this episode of stick signals when you really think about oh, perfect. it perfect yeah good segue right? <laughs> but it was you know it, it was fun to get out there i mean you know, seeing a lot of guys I haven't seen in a long time. And then for, I went back to my home track for fr- on Friday night. Unfortunately, we got rained out before I touched the microphone. We got one heat race in. I was doing heat two, and we got rained out four laps into heat one. Well, this week, we got a bit of a crossover here on Stick Singles as we take the late model world and fuse it in with the Dirt Car Big Block Modifieds in the Super Dirt Car Series. We'll start off with one of our first two interviews as we're joined by Super Dirt Car Series PR coordinator Joe Grabinowski as we talk to Max McLaughlin, who's going to be behind the wheel of one of Boom Brings' cars here on Thursday at Orange County. Well, Max, a big opportunity coming up for you on Thursday at Orange County Fair Speedway. First time behind the wheel of a dirt late model. Just, I think a lot of fans are trying to figure out how did this all come together with Boom? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty random. Uh, I've never even met Boom before, so um, I think it was just talk. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a track that we've had a lot of success at with the modified stuff. And uh, I think uh, a lot of Northeast modified fans like to see us all jump around. So, uh, you know, it's actually talking with a different team about driving uh and it just didn't work out and i think word got out to boom and um you know he reached out and we uh made it happen so i only talked to him on the phone but um seems like quite the character seems like a pretty cool guy so uh you know hopefully it goes well and maybe we can run some more races in the future now one of the things you know just because you're new to a dirt late model doesn't mean you're new to hop it into different cars. I mean, you've been driving a plethora of different vehicles over the years and this year, even does it make it easier or harder going into this situation? Well, to be honest, I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely used to jumping out of different types of cars. I'm, uh, you know, probably drive more different types of cars than, uh, you know, most any other driver I'd say. Um, but you know, any other opportunity like this I've had, I've always had a few practice laps at least. So, uh, this will be a little different. I've drove a crate a few times, but I've never drove a super late model. So, uh, you know, first lap of practice is uh, going to be quite the learning curve. But, um, you know, I think it'll be all right. And obviously having Boom, uh, you know, not only as a driver, but, um, you know, the, the crew chief status that he's had. And, uh, you know, I know I'll be getting into a good piece. So that definitely helps speed up the learning curve. Now, as we get ready to this, you mentioned earlier Orange County, a track that you've had success at. You came home with the top five last week during the Centennial 102 race as part of the Super Dirt Car Series and set quick time, which I, I think, you know, with the way the track was last week, there's a good chance that that could be the key. If you, you think you got a shot at nailing this down early? You never know. Um, you know, I didn't think I sh- had a shot at World Final to so set quick time, um, you know, in my big block debut. So um, you never know. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's possible. So, um uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we had a really dominant car last week, and um, we actually broke a shock. There's a picture of it on my uh, Facebook page. It, it was it was pretty uh, pretty messed up. So we actually were able to to limp that home and uh, come home with the top five. But early in that race, when that shock first broke, I uh, I didn't think we were going to finish inside the top fifteen. So uh, it's definitely a cool place, and I, I've never won there, but we've been so close so many times. And uh, 
to be if we won there and for the first time in a super late medal, that would be pretty crazy. Max, uh, Joe here. You're running sixth in points in the Super Dirt Car Series. Um, you know, you started the se- the season off in the big block uh, with a title and a black eye, but since then you've kind of lacked, lacked consistency. You've either had a a podium. Uh, or you've kind of been getting banged around a little bit mid pack. Um, you know, tell me from night to night, you know, what, what what's going on uh, in terms of uh, your setups and, and your approach. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, start of the season, you know, obviously we won the championship down in Florida and uh, you know, Dirt Car Nationals, and uh, obviously yeah, that's the pretty much storyline is me getting punched in the face. <laughs> um, and besides that, uh, I didn't really plan on running for the championship, and uh, we we got back from Florida. Um, you know, obviously after winning there and um, you know, came away with a couple podiums right away. And, uh, we were, you know, I actually pulled off at Can-Am cause I was like, well, we're not running too good. Might as well pull off and not running for points. And I definitely wish I didn't do that now, but, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know as far as either podium or, or mid back, I think, uh, you know, it's just, it's tough, you know, going to a lot of different places. These coils have kind of, uh, you know, complicated everything to where, the torsion bars you can pretty much bring the same setup anywhere with the coils now it's uh it's fine tuning so uh we had the same car that we won weed sport with last year all year and i don't know it kind of seems like it was getting a lot of laps on it and uh, i was making it harder and harder to to be fast and we uh, actually brought a brand new frame to orange county last week and it was like starting over again uh just raw speed so hopefully that uh you know simplifies our issue and we can start running up front again and consistently getting podiums and uh hook off some wins yeah, it seems like it's a narrow band with the, with the new setups in terms of uh, what you can hit um, from lap to lap. If you're a little bit off one way or another, um, you could be way off. Uh, so it seems like with the new car, you have a little bit wider band of, of speed there. Um, but does that transfer from track to track? For example, we're going to Bloomsburg, which is a short track, a new track to the series, uh, and then going to Lebanon Valley a few days later. Um, you know, how do these setups translate from those big and, and small tracks? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's all the same baseline it's just you know almost guess it's pretty much a guess game honestly because nobody really knows i mean it's all new to us so uh i think it's just how stiff and you know how much wheel load different places take you know we went to bristol we were almost you know 50 75 pounds stiffer than we we ever are so um you know it's pretty much i think you can take the same generic baseline and go to a track as far as uh you know spring splits but uh, you know, as far as how much rate you can take without the car rolling over too hard, it's kind of, you know, where you got to make the, the guess at. And uh, it's tough some places. And, uh, you know, especially when you've never been to a place before. And, you know, like the bigger guys, like the, you know, NASCAR teams, they all have the data and everything to guess. With uh, our dirt guys, it's, it's pretty much uh, just an educated guess off looking at the track and, uh, you know, talking to your buddies that have been there before. So, uh it makes it fun, but at the same time, it, it's complicated a lot of things where, uh, you know, before we were just sticking in torsion bars and letting it rip. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think just building a notebook and, and taking notes on tracks and, uh, you know, just, um, you know, being there before and going back for a second time is definitely a, a huge help. You're racing all these different series now, um, Super Dirt Car Series, uh, Super Dirt Week, um, Millbridge with the with the uh, small cars, and uh, now with the late models, uh, it seems like family and friends will really be able to keep up with you at home. Are, are they able to do that? Are you getting a lot of texts and screenshots from, from Dirt Vision? Yeah, no, we've, uh, definitely for sure. The Dirt Vision stuff, just being on, super, on the Super Dirt Car Series has uh, you know, helped not only with uh, a lot of fans and uh, you know the fan base growing, but 
it makes it a lot easier to reach out to sponsors and then it gives them something to, you know, watch every night. And it's a pretty cool deal what they've done. And, uh, you know, me driving so many different cars this year, I think this is my seventh different uh, type of race car. And we've won in the, the NASCAR modified, the, um, you know, super modified as we go, the, the big block and, um, you know, racing some used tech midget stuff and just jumping around between everything. And, uh, now throwing in a late model in there, it should be interesting. So uh, I've always had a, uh, a love for the late models. I've always been one of my favorite types of cars. So to be able to get an opportunity to go race with the World of Outlaws is uh, something I think every kid dreams of growing up. Now, is there a World of Outlaws driver that you looked up to before you get behind the wheel of this first for this for the first time? Uh, I don't know about a full-time World of Outlaw driver, but uh, Nick Hoffman. You know, I was in Nick's wedding. He's probably one of my best friends. And, um, you know, he's got an opportunity to drive for Scott Bloomquist lately. So... Um, you know, he was, his family actually gave me my real opera, you know, first opportunity to drive a full size car. So, uh, you know, we grew up racing the UMP modified together. So I know what that's like to drive and, um, you know, for him to just explain it a little better and, um, you know, see the transition he's had to make to, to make it work in the late models. And he's been having a lot of real good runs lately. So, uh, you know, I've been talking to him a lot the last next year, you know, the, last couple of days and uh i actually let him drive my big block a few years ago in a practice session so uh you know i think he's got the, the best understanding of what it takes to you know uh overcome and uh you know see what it takes to drive a late model now switching gears back to the big block for a second you men- mentioned weed sport a little bit earlier and of course that was the site of your first super dirt car series win during october fast last year just think back to that i know that was a big minute moment for you and i just remember the raw emotion coming out of you in victory lane last year when we were up on the hill at weed sport just you know how much did that win mean to you? I mean, yeah, that was a pretty big stage to win on. Um, you know, the COVID deal pretty much wiped out our whole season. So to, uh, you know, be able to win at the biggest race of the year last year and uh, a place that's been so special to racing history and, uh, you know, my family history was, was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, that was definitely a lot of raw emotion. It's something that, uh, you know, I jumped right into a new ride and, um, you know, I've been trying for a long time to get a, a win of that caliber and to, jump into a new race car and go win right away. That was uh, pretty cool. And then, you know, even to go down to Volusia and I've been so close to winning there before tied Brett Hearn there for the championship in 2017. And, uh, you know, to go win there this year, that was pretty awesome. So definitely having a lot of fun and, uh, you know, taking two years off going to asphalt racing, uh, you know, it was really cool, but coming back and winning at weed sport kind of lit a fire in me again. And, uh, that's what made me, you know, decide to go full-time dirt racing again. Now, you also mentioned us. We go, of course, you've been behind the wheel of a car in the asphalt pretty much every Saturday night, also with the victory this year. You know, you're one of the few drivers that have actually driven on both surfaces. Now, obviously, with pavement and dirt, it's a lot different, but just how different are these cars back and forth that you're getting into? I mean, the, the super modifieds are, um, you know, if anybody knows what they are, they're probably the fastest short track car in the world. I mean, they're, they're stupid. <laughs> I mean, I got the first time I ever got in one, uh, you know, the practice session that, team said well what do you think and i was like just just give me a second to realize what what i just drove i mean my head if you put your head against the headrest uh you know and lean your head against it while you're going down the backstretch your vision goes blurry you're going so fast it's uh it's pretty crazy to feel the g-forces and everything but uh it's funny you, you drive the same line it's almost like uh you know my first lap i kind of drove the same arc into the corner as i would with the dirt car and uh i was like man it's it's pretty similar it's pretty wild but uh you know, the, the speeds and the super modifieds are, are just insane. And, uh, you know, I feel like it, it will help, you know, kind of 
I mean, you're going, obviously it's crazy driving dirt carts out of control, but just the speed of the, the asphalt car and slowing it down a little bit to get back in the dirt car, I think will uh, help for sure. And, uh, you know, I think there's a stat there that I was the only driver to win on dirt and asphalt at Oswego, um, you know, in like 64 years. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool to be able to do. All right. Well, Max, we appreciate you joining us here today, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. You know, obviously we'll, I'll see you tomorrow down in Orange County. And so best of luck. I'll be coming around. Hopefully uh, it's going to be one hell of a show. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Hopefully the weather holds off and we're able to, you know, get out there. That was Mooresville, North Carolina's Max McLaughlin joining us here on Stick Signals as he gets ready for Thursday's event at the Orange County Fair Speedway. You know, he's a guy that's won in many disciplines. And again, just like Friesen, he's got a lot of laps around Orange County. Speaking of Stewie, let's sit down with him as the NASCAR Truck Series regular gets ready to go for his first time in a late model since March at Smoky Mountain. We caught up with him as he gets ready for the big event on Thursday as well. Well, we're here with NASCAR Camping World Truck Series racer Stuart Friesen, and of course he runs with the Super Dirt Car Series as well, getting ready for this Thursday's late model race at the Orange County Fair Speedway. But, you know, the interesting thing, and this one's pretty cool for me with Stu, is I've known Stu since 2004 when he got started in a small block modified. Stu, first thing I got to ask you, did you ever think you'd be at this point when you got behind the wheel of that Madsen 20? Oh, wow. Uh, never. You know, <laughs> obviously I had some goals and, and would love to be in this situation, but um, no. So, um, you know, that being said, I'm really, really appreciative of, uh, you know, all the car owners and sponsors that had along the way. And, and, uh, and here we are. You know, I look back at some of those moments and, uh, you know, there's a couple of really funny stories that came out of that year. I, I'm sure you remember back at Utica Rome, the one night where you flipped the car and turned four, turned it right back over and ended up coming back and finishing third in that race. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That was, uh, that was an exciting night. Um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, ups on that season. We won a lot of races and, and had a lot of fun. Now, really, that's where you got with the big blocks the next year as well. You guys moved up to that, and it was a bit of a struggle at first. You guys got a few wins, mm-hmm. but it really put you in the right direction going forward for the career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, learned a lot racing with the Madsons and, and um, uh, your your Uncle Apples and, and your Grandpa Apples. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Just like I said, I learned a lot about uh, racing, about the – uh, management side of racing from the Madsons and, um, you know, definitely lessons that, that I apply, uh, to our racing, you know, even now. So we'll fast forward a little bit here and go right into the late model. You know, you're getting ready for this event on Thursday night and you will be the last winner of a big event at Orange County. It, it, it's got to feel pretty surreal just to have this chance against some of the best in the country at one of your home tracks. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we did a little bit of late model racing, you know, um, during speed weeks and in, in the, the winter into March. Um, and then really haven't done anything with it since then. You know, we've been really tied up with the, with the truck and the modified stuff. Um, so this, this event, you know, get back with the outlaws and, and uh, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit of home ground. So we're looking forward to that. Um, you know, all those late model races we did, it was kind of like trying to learn a new car and then learn new tracks. Um, we had a couple of decent runs at Cherokee, um, but, but really looking forward to, uh, to be at, at, at Middletown, having that home track advantage, um, knowing just so much more about the car and what it takes to make them, you know, to make a tick and, uh, you know, hopefully we can have a strong run. You know, something I, I find interesting now, and we I think we see it more now than we used to, but these sort of in, interdisciplinary drivers, right? Like Kyle Larson goes and sets the world on fire and everything. You're running NASCAR, you run big blocks and, and all these other things. How, how 
important to you is it as a driver to be able to to sort of spread out and be able to go into all these different genres does that help you as a racer stay sort of focused yeah no absolutely um you know variety is a spice of life right so um even you know being able to run different race cars is, is not only a lot of fun but um you just learn so much more doing it you know about the cars about the way they drive and then you know the different driving techniques that it that it takes to run them so um really you know fortunate to have those experiences and, and run a bunch of different cars and um you know this whole late model thing learning it all has been uh, been really a lot of fun now with this whole thing running these different disciplines of cars you know like for example today you're flying down you're down in charlotte for nascar media stuff for the playoffs and then you're flying back up for orange county on thursday then out for another truck race on friday the travel's got to be a little wary on you yeah yeah it's uh it's been a long year uh you know we've ran a lot of modified races uh in the last two months you know on top of uh the truck schedule so the truck schedule is, is pretty hectic in the spring and in the fall um and then it relaxes a little bit through the summertime and we, we take advantage of that to run as many dirt races as we can so um right now the modified stuff's starting to kind of to uh you know peter out um you know it's getting ready you know for the big races in the fall uh port royal fonda uh, super dirt week and uh, you know the, the the truck stuff ramps up with the playoffs so uh, starting to turn our focus back towards uh, these playoffs and, and then the truck championship and try to make a run at that uh, while we wrap up the, uh, the summertime you know dirt track stuff now going back to the late model for a second i think one thing it kind of it kind of came out of the blue that you were running the late model starting off with speed weeks and the dry eating extreme dirt car series you know how did the whole late model deal just come together uh, it was something that that uh, Chris Larson from Palmar and I talked about, and, um, you know, the way that, that the modified schedule worked out, you know, in Florida last year, we ran the short track super series, races. there was a week off before, you know, the dirt car stuff at, at Volusia, um, you know, and he started, you know, kind of paying attention to late model stuff. He said, man, that'd be something really cool to try and, and get into. And, uh, the way the schedule worked out, we were able to, to put a car together with Longhorn, um, Tommy Greco, who I've known, you know, a long time. Um, Tim McCready was, was really helpful and, and, you know, kind of starting that whole relationship up and then helped us when we got to the races. So, um, it was something Chris and I kind of got excited about and wanted to try and, uh, and it worked out to, to run a bunch of races there, um, you know, through February and March. So, um, probably look at doing that again this year between the, uh, the extreme series, um, and, 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 you know, some different stuff, you know, over the winter months. Now, one thing that's always fascinated me, the difference between the big block and the late model, obviously the big blocks are center steer, the late models are, you're sitting to the left like a normal car. How is that just different while you're in the race car? Uh, it, it's quite a bit different. The attitude of the car uh, moving around, you know, the late model travels so much on the right front and then kind of pins over there. There's, there's uh, you know, a lot more steering, you know, that, that I <laughs> than what I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, a, a modified really, is more like a wingless sprint car as far as seating position and, and, and how it drives. So, um, it's been, it's been fun to learn and, um, you know, look forward to doing more of it. Now, obviously you've had a storied career in the big blocks, no question about it. You know, you had the big sprint car win as well. What would you say so far would be, and you can have multiple ones would be your favorite win of your career. Oh, that's a good question. I would say, you know, definitely, uh, super dirt week, 2010, uh, winning at Syracuse for the first time was, was the biggest thing, you know, I've done in my career, um, you know, followed really, really closely by, you know, Eldora and, uh, and the Phoenix truck wins. Those were both, um, you know, super awesome. But that first dirt week win was really, really cool. 
Now back to Dirt Week. You're a guy that has won at both tracks that Super Dirt Week has been at. You know, just preparing for that big event, especially with everything else going on, it's got to be tough knowing you're going for four straight days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the Oswego deal is a little bit different. You know, just it, it's, uh, you know, a typical slick short track. So it doesn't take quite the, uh, you know, the aero stuff and all that body work you do work on to go to the mile, um, which which is good and bad. You know, it was like a month worth of work, build bodies and then build stuff and then get your quick fill and all your pit stuff stuff uh, kind of organized. And, uh, and now it's just kind of more of a short track race, but it still pays, you know, really, really good money. And then, uh, you know, prepared and, and, and that's what we do to get ready for it. You know, as, as a guy who raced both um, at Syracuse and, and now at Oswego, um, and this is obviously we're, we're building uh, a tradition here, trying to match what they had at, at Syracuse. How do you feel mm-hmm. the event is going? Like, is it is it kind of matching the energy they used to have, or are we getting there? Oh, or? yeah, absolutely. As far as the, the atmosphere um, at the event, it's, uh, you know, been carried over from, from the fairgrounds, you know, pretty much seamlessly. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of race fans that, that come and hang out the whole week and party and, and, uh, and camp. And, and, you know, you can see that just by, um, the campers, you know, it's, it's sold out every year. It's, it's, uh, and it's a lot of fun. Now, one thing a lot of people may not know about you is you, you know, come from a huge racing family. You know, your family has been in this for the whole time out in Ransomville, like promoting tracks. And it just goes with your family now as well. Of course, Jess is an accomplished modified driver as well. It's got to be pretty cool for you just to have racing there for everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, now having my own family and, and being able to have Jess not only as my wife, but but as a teammate, and we race together a lot. Um, you know, our son Parker's five now and, and really is starting to get it. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, we look forward to doing it for, uh, for many more years, hopefully. Speaking of Parker, that w- one thing with Parker that I think had probably one of the biggest laughs of all time in racing was his victory lane dance on top of the truck at El Toro. I know there's still people talking about that today. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was such a cool moment, uh, to have him and Jess there and then him just kind of break out of the shell and, and uh, really enjoy it, uh, was really, really cool and, and something that. Now we really got a kick out of. Now you've won just about every big, big block race known there. You've won a couple of truck races. So obviously one of your biggest goals has got to be winning the truck championship. But other than that, for the rest of your career, is there any goals that you have set? Uh, no, you know, winning, winning a late model race, um, uh, to be, you know, I'm by no means the, the driver Kyle Larson is, but if I can win a, a late model race before he wins a big block dirt modified race, uh, and have wins across all three series would be really, really cool. And it's cool that you had the opportunity to do that on Thursday night. It was kind of, it's kind of, it was kind of odd thinking, oh, that actually could happen after Larson won at Fairbury. But you know, this yeah. probably would be your best shot out of all of them, just because of again, you've raced this track probably more than anybody in the field, no question. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll try to use that for some home track advantage, and uh, you know. See what happens. Well, Stu, thank you for joining us today, man. I know you had a had a short run of time here with everything going on. I appreciate it, of course. All good, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the weather holds up. We'll see you Thursday. 
That's pretty cool that Stuart Friesen is going to come run with the World of Outlaws. That's one thing that really opened my eyes about dirt car racing in Florida in February. Like all those guys, what we had 13 NASCAR drivers come race with us. And it's really cool to see that trend keep going, obviously, with Kyle Larson bringing both worlds together. It just it's healthy for our for our sport. And um, I I really enjoy that. And it's pretty cool to see Stuart Friesen come and all those guys. It's going to be a fun, fun week of action. What's important to the sport, and, and I believe this truly to my soul is is the ecosystem right you have kids running go-karts at millbridge and and places like that and and they come up through this these series and so when you get an opportunity to have drivers that will are willing to hop into different sorts of cars and 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 be competitive i mean kyle larson setting the world on fire we may never see somebody like that again but it's important to all of us so that you know it's not a NASCAR versus World of Outlaws thing. It's not a IndyCar thing. It's it's just great to have these people that cross all over the place. Yeah, and and it's crazy. Like it's funny because today we sat down and lunch, me and the dirt car guys, and we were talking about how our our sport, dirt track racing in general, is just going through a change right now. Me and Jordan were talking about like guys, it's going to be the first year. Like this was the first year out of. All 34 years that the USA Nationals ran that Billy Moyer and Scott Bloomquist isn't there. Like the World 100 is going to be different this year. Like Billy Moyer isn't going to be there. Scott Bloomquist isn't going to be there. Like um, it, it sucks to see, but like you look at Don O'Neill, like Pierce just tied him for third most wins in the Hell Tour. Um, and you see what Hudson's doing. You, you, like Bobby Pierce, Bob doesn't run any. Like the... I hate to say it, but like the legends, the older guys are kind of moving out and, and the younger guys are moving in. Like we're, we're experiencing that in our sport right now. And, and that's exactly what you're talking about there, Mick. It's, it's an interesting topic to talk about. Well, it's, it's the changing of the guard, right? So if you talk about guys like Bloomquist and, and, and Don O'Neill and that generation, that was the first generation of dirt drivers that really, those guys were known outside of their region. Before then, if you were a dirt a dirt race car driver you're pretty much known in your region that's not so much true on the sprint car side those guys the midget racing and stuff blew up a little bit more but late model side you know until until that generation came along they weren't i'm not gonna say household names but they weren't nationally known and and so that generation of guys became nationally known i mean dude if you're a motorsports fan in the 90s you knew scott bloomquist whether you went to a dirt track or not and so it's this changing of the guard that you know you see the nascar over and over and over again because nascar has been racing on the the big national stage since the 50s and so now that's happening in our sport and it's young guys like Bobby Pierce and Brandon Shepard's obviously proven himself and, and Ashton winger um, that are carrying that torch. And so it's, it's important for us as a sport to su- support the younger guys and then also support that, that ecosystem, go out to your local track. If you can't watch a race on Vision or be at a world of outlaws race, go and support those younger drivers. You know, that, that support at their, at, at a young age carries them, you know, uplifts them, gets them the resources they need so that they can be there. Cause look, without kids racing, this, this sport will die eventually. I, right? I, like we have yeah. to have younger generations to feed this thing. I, I agree 130% with that, Mick. And uh, for those of you listening to this podcast, um, I, I mean, I, I'm going to say it like, I think, I feel like people listening to this podcast are, are probably a little older. Hopefully there's some young guys. Like if you're 13, 14, 15, listening to this, like, that's amazing. You know, like invite your other middle school, high school friends. You know what I mean? Like we need more younger people in this sport. And if you're listening, let's get those younger people involved. It's awesome to see that. You know what I mean? Like 
I um, Thunder Mountain Speedway. I'm really sad, and I think he's going to be at Aries. That uh, Hunter Jordan, he uh, he's an announcer, and I think he's 16 years old. Like he's a he's a kicker in his high school. Like I started announcing at the age of 12, and it, it really warmed my heart to see Hunter uh, want to be an announcer in dirt track racing at his age. Like that is amazing. That that's what that's what I want to see in our sport uh, let's get the, the youth involved you know what i mean so if you're listening to this podcast make it a goal um not just this weekend but every weekend to come on out and bring someone new and younger to the races you know and that and that also i i, I want to tell you that that brings me to uh, keeping with the dirt card northeast team that we've had one of the guys that's a rookie on the super dirt car series this year kevin root his son has been with him through a couple of sportsman titles as his crew chief working on the car I don't I'm not sure of his age, but I don't think he's in high school yet. And if he is, he's just starting and he's been around the whole time. Like that's the stuff that's cool. And what makes this sport interesting is seeing seeing those guys in action. So it's a good way moving forward. And Kevin Root, you know, he's a guy he's well, like I said, multiple sportsman titles, moved up to a big block modified this year. You know, he's learning, but his son's learning with him, and that's what makes it really cool. Yeah. My mom sent me a, a picture uh, maybe last week or two weeks ago of of my nephew and his cousin out at Willamette Speedway helping uh, another relative with this late model. And uh, man, I, I'm a little out of touch with my nephews, but I, I don't think they're even in high school. They're out there turning wrenches and scaling cars and doing tires. And, you know, this, the sport's alive and well, but we need to make sure that we, we keep supporting this younger generation. Yeah. So uh, touching on the Dirt Car Summer Nationals, we always have a marketing intern. And our intern this year, believe it or not, he hasn't even been in dirt track racing for more than a year and a half. He went to his first race a year ago. Uh, I think it was like May, I think. And his brother took him for the first time and watched the non-wing sprint car race, and he fell in love. And this year, he was throwing names at me like, hey, like um, this. And like he was throwing stats at me, I should say. And I was like, wow, like this kid knows his stuff. And it was pretty cool to have Austin Guajardo as our marketing intern this year. And seeing like he's young. He was 19, and he just turned 20 on the tour this year. Like, that's what I want to see in our sport. You know what I mean? The the message, the underlying message is bring a, bring a younger friend or bring a friend that doesn't know about dirt racing. Bring them out to your local track. I mean, it really usually only takes one trip before they realize this is for me or not. Speaking of a guy we got to give a shout out to working on the Summer Nationals, how about Cade Sharp on Saturday? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, like, Cade did amazing. Like, so I'm really sad because, like, the higher ups and dirt vision said, I don't know. Um, we might not have him. And I'm like, why wouldn't you have him? Like I can easily see the talent this guy has. Like he works his tail off. Uh, I knew he would be good. He was throwing stats. He was throwing like good things. I mean, and I knew Cade was going to be, cause I could see his potential and I'm so glad they let him do it. Like hashtag move over Hannah, hashtag move over <laughs> Ruben. Like how about Cade Sharp doing a phenomenal job pit reporting. He did great. I was, that was one of the rare broadcasts I got to see in the last 10 days. And, and yeah, I, I just sort of heard this, voice out of the corner of my room and i look over i'm like whoa Cade doing the the uh, the heat race interviews and then he came in with predictions and not just throwing a name off the wall like i do i just grab a name like he, he had a reason for his pick which is really impressive yeah i mean i just i love that i mean I'm, i ain't gonna lie pit reporting is way harder than announcing in the booth um just because you you have to work more like you have to get different kind of notes when you're in the booth you just announce chassis engine and sponsors you get that from day one and like you know it's very rare if they change and the driver will tell you if they change pit reporting you got to go and get the inside story if you care and you have pride and passion and like you got you got to go get the inside story 
story. So you give the fans like my my whole mentality on it is these fans pay a lot, you know, of money and and I, you know, thank them and I just want to give them the best information I can to make it more interesting. They connect more with a driver like those inside stories. And I think it's cool. So, Mike, I, I, I know you can relate too. Well, what I was going to say, and it's even harder in a situation like Kate and I, where, you know, we're, I don't want to say one-offs, but we don't pick up the microphone very often anymore. Like, so it's even harder to get back into that rhythm. That's where I struggled the most was just a rhythm thing on last Thursday night, but it happens. I don't think people realize how hard it is to pit report. Yeah, pit reporting is definitely hard. And just because you have so many moving parts uh, in the booth, you're in a sometimes comfy seat and air conditioned booth. And, (laughs) you know, infield towers are (laughs) not the best, but they're very challenging. But still, you you have a seat and you have a computer in front of you. When you're pit reporting, you're in the infield moving all over the place, trying to get interviews, trying to get, you know, across the track. Sometimes it's muddy like Cedar Lake Speedway. It was so hard to get around the infield, navigate through that place because, you know, it's just muddy. Like there's just so many things. Uh, Sometimes we don't have audio and I can't hear Rick or Georgia can't hear me like and people obviously don't see that behind the scenes you know it's easy to judge and say oh how did Ruben miss that or how did Georgia miss that you know like it's you just don't know like sometimes we don't may don't have the announcer audios is you know it's just um it's a challenge there's so many challenges to pit reporting you only have your clipboard and your notes and it's hard but it's fun all right let's move on from this now it is one of my favorite times prediction time and we got four races to do this now Um, The way we're going to do this, I'm going to go last for Orange County, and I'm going to tell you why here in a minute. Mick already knows where I'm going because we talked about this this morning. But, Mick, I'm going to let you go first. Who do you think is going to win Thursday? Orange County Fairgrounds, man, with Max McLaughlin running it, I mean, it's hard to pick against a Northeast guy. Uh... Chris Madden. Shocking. (laughs) Shocking. He needs to pick up a win. And I just want to point out here, you know, we talk about throwing out stats. Matt's been pretty good on tracks that are half mile or longer, like the first two tracks we're going to see this weekend. He's got two wins at Port Royal already this year. So we'll see how he, and by the way, he has not finished outside of the top 10 in the state of Pennsylvania or New York this year. Ruben. Okay. Well, since we're going to talk about Orange County and you talked about how the track is being, is just completely different. Um, I know I keep picking him. I really want to pick Eckert, but I'm not, uh, I think this is going to be kind of an equalizer just because a lot of guys really don't have notes on this place. Like the outlaws haven't been there since 04. And I think that was their only time if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yeah, it was. So we saw last time when we went to a track where drivers didn't have a lot of notes and experience. That was circle city. And he almost won. I'm picking hashtag fear the reaper, Ryan Gustin. Nice. That's not a bad pick, especially if you can get the outside working, Mm -hmm. but it's the orange County fair speedway. History will be made Thursday night. Stuart Friesen is going to win this race. I just got a gut feeling. Listen, he's got more laps than anybody around that track, and that includes a late model with the exception of 2000 of guys that were in 2004. If he can get that outside work, and I think that Longhorn has got a good shot of pulling into victory lane, and if he wins, he will be the first driver in history to win a Super Dirt Car Series, a World of Outlaw NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car, and World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Feature Event. Yes. That's the stat I want. That might be a little selfish as a PR guy to want to see that, but I'm picking Friesen. I mean, you get to write the story of Stuart Friesen one-upping Kyle Larson on something, which is right. all sorts of fun right. to write. Although, I don't know when we're going to see uh, Kyle in a big block. 
Young Money to Super Dirt Week. We need to get that trending. We got the Roval that weekend. Uh, yeah, I ain't going to lie. That is pretty exciting. That would be pretty cool to watch. Um, and we all know how good those Longhorns are this year. I've, I've said it. Longhorns yep. are probably the strongest in the scene right now in 2021. And here's the other thing. I got a feeling this is going to be a racetrack where your qualifying time is going to be very important along with your redraw. Yeah. So he gets yep. in the top six and draws the pull. It's not like it's not crazy. That's just what I'm saying. All right, we'll move on to Williams Grove, though. Another half mile track with some tricky corners. Mick, we'll start with you. I am going to go with Brandon Shepard at Williams Grove. It's a, it's a safe pick, um, but it's just kind of my gut says that uh, he, he's going to pick one up on this stretch, and that's going to be the place. I mean, he has won the last two visits to Williams Grove with the Outlaws. He's definitely going to be good there. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say a guy that loves half miles. He's clearly told us on the podcast he's been good, and I think – He's been good, but he hasn't been like stunningly like, wow. I think this is where he really turns it around, gets that first win. I'm going to say it. A rookie wins this week. I'm going to say it. And I think Tyler Bruning gets it done at Williams nice Grove. Pick. Okay, I like that pick. I'm going to stick with a red car, but it's obviously not Tyler Bruning. I think we're starting to hit a stride here with the driver at a Robeline, Louisiana. There you go. There you go. I like Kay Dillard. And remember, at Jackson, which not quite a half mile, but we're close, is, you know, he was – dominated the first race until some really bad luck happened and he just finally he's actually been running really well lately i think kate's got a good shot yes sir let's move to sharon ohio now and this one could be interesting mick we'll start with you ah man i don't have any intel on on sharon really but um i want to go with the rookie and and i want to say that how big how big is sharon speedway first of all three eighths mile three eighths three eighths Going Tyler Bruning. Oh, I like that pick. Ruben? Well, I know Eckert's yeah, won there in the yeah. past, and I, I think, uh, mistake me if I'm not wrong, the Outlaws were there 19 or 18. I think it was when Shepard won. I know Shepard won it, and then like the last time was like 2010, and it's been a while. Um, I, I don't think I don't think Shepard gets it done. Sharon, uh, I feel like it's going to be Max Blair. Like, come on, guys. Like, we're in that region. He's the current point leader for there ULMS. Nope. Nope. He won't be he's there. He's not going to be there. That's the one he's missing. Wow. Well, let's go ahead and scratch. You mess race at Bridgeport. Let's, let's go ahead and scratch that. Max Blair will not win there. But but if Max yeah. Blair was going to be there, I would Sorry. have said Max Blair because Max Blair is really <laughs> good in that region. Um, well, hey, I can't pick my real pick for this. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Ruben? We can't pick who we want to do here. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, that's true. That is true. I know you would, you would like freezing. I, I'm not going to pick freezing. Nick knows. I told him this morning. But. Um, you know, okay. Um, I'm going to go with, I mean, I think he's been good, and uh, he's going to keep it going. Dennis Herb Jr. I like it. There you go. I'm going to say I, I agree with your rookie thing, but I like this 3-8 smile and the reefer going to be rising. I like, I like Ryan Gustin. And our final race of the weekend – we head back to Pennsylvania one last time in the Erie Speedway in Erie, Pennsylvania. Mick, we'll go with you. Dennis Herb Jr., clearly. <laughs> oh, uh, perfect. I, I'm glad you didn't take my pick. I, I'm glad you didn't take my pick. I thought um, I did take your pick. No, you didn't, because I, I mean, I, I don't think Dennis Herb Jr. repeats. I, I really don't. Um, <sighs> I, I really do feel like he – I mean, come on, let's not forget. He has a, a – a, a, pause. Who's driving his car? Oh, Max McLaughlin. That's right. Um, redo. 
Mick, I I'm really glad you didn't pick my pick. I, I Dennis Herb Jr. is a heck of a pick, but I really don't think he's going to do it. Let's not forget he has Max McLaughlin driving one of his cars. He about won this race last year. We've had it circled on the Outlaw calendar all year long. I said it. He's going to get his first win this season. Boom. Briggs gets it done. I think so. There's a lot of bush it, lattes going down it, up there. <laughs> there's a lot of bush lattes, and the good thing for him, uh, he don't have to race yeah. the next day, so he's good. He gets it done. Uh, this is where I believe the Viper is going to strike. Max Blair picks up the victory. I think he's oh. due with how well he's been running with the tour so far this year. That's a solid pick. I mean, you can't ever count out Max Blair, especially in that region. I mean, come on. We saw him in Wisconsin for the first time at Autogamy in the yeah. USA Nationals. He did well outside of his region. Now in his region, it's going to be good. It is. It's going to be a fun weekend. And of course, you can catch all four of them events live on Dirt Vision presented by Trident. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. It's back-to-school time, and we want you to make sure you pack the essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped fourth-generation performance package is just that. Use sticksignals21 at manscaped.com. Once again, code sticksignals21 at manscaped.com. Dirt Vision presented by Dryden has a lot going on. We talked about the update and all the cool features in the last episode. It's really cool. Go check it out. Uh, this um, Wednesday, Dirt Car Summer Nationals is back at the Butler Motor Speedway. We're back there and also Millbridge Speedway on Wednesday the 18th. On the 19th, Thursday, you have Orange County with the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series. And obviously, we're back in Lake Odessa, Michigan at the I-96 Speedway. Somewhere uh, we talked about Fager with that momentum. Uh, somewhere where Fager could definitely win. That's going to be a very good race at i-96 we're finally back after not going there last year and then on friday night you have the world of outlaws nos energy drink sprint car series back at river cities and then the dirt car summer nationals are at tri-city motor speedway that place is a lot of fun that's where michigan uh, driver dona marcullier won last year and uh they about uh burnt the grandstands down because michigan region drivers are really getting good that's going to be good at tri-city motor speedway and you also have the world of outlaws morton buildings late model series at the grove williams grove speedway and the attica raceway racing that night as well saturday night the 21st uh, red river valley with the world of outlaws nos energy drink sprint car series sharon speedway with the world of outlaws dirt car summer nationals championship night at the merit speedway and then on that Sunday, the 22nd, you have Hussett Speedway. And then obviously the Outlaws are at Erie's and uh, Jacksonville Speedway on that Monday. So you have racing every single day from. That's a lot uh, of racing. Yeah, yeah, all the way till Monday, which is pretty amazing. Uh, actually, no, because 24th, you have Millbridge. And then the 25th, Millbridge against it. Bam. Just, it just keeps going. Yep. Bang, 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 yep. bang. And obviously, uh, yeah, we get into Davenport and all that stuff. But that's for next week's episode. But nonetheless, Dirt Vision presented by Dryden. Go check it out. Get that uh, Fast Pass or Platinum Fast Pass and uh, get involved today. We thank you all so much for joining us here in this episode for uh, Stick Signals, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, Morton Buildings, 8 Mono Series, and Dirt Car Racing. Have a great weekend, everyone. We hope to see you at the track. And again, if you can't be there, watch on Dirt Vision. Have a great week. We'll see you all next weekend.